we'll talk a little bit together from God's Word today. Father in heaven, thank you that we can open your Word, and uh, especially at this time of year. So draw near in Christ's name. Amen. Yeah, one of the things I like about the Christmas story is it was a story of something very unexpected. You don't imagine in a military conflict that maybe you'd win the war by sending a baby or, you know, um, reaching people with something so weak and small and insignificant. But this is exactly what happened, and it actually reversed all the evil for good. Today we're attempting to talk about that on the basis of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 17. So I invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3, our journey through the book of Peter. Um, there's something about preaching through the text that makes me uncomfortable because sometimes there's text I don't want to talk about but they're the next in, the, in line, and so you have to talk about them. Um, living good or godly, a good or godly life in a godless world is our subject today. And First Peter is all about that. How is it that we live a good and godly life in the midst of an increasingly godless society? And surprisingly enough, the New Testament is actually written not for a nation where everything's Christian or a Christian nationalistic nation, but where nobody was Christian. And perhaps that's the lessons we need to be learning. So how do we live a godly life in a godless society? Our text gives us at least four points today. Number one, live in a like-minded community of believers. I'm very thankful for the church coming together in a like-minded community of believers. Finally, all of you be of one mind. So finally means, you know, before this, we had um, several things that were talked about. How do we live um, in a nation that has all kinds of crazy ordinances and people that are rulers or leaders that come up with bizarre laws and statutes and whatnot? And talked about, well, even though it's a crazy law, if it's not against God, do it. And then talking about how to get along with masters, not just those that are kind, but also the harsh. And talking how to get along with husbands, not just those who are converted, but those who are unconverted. And talking about how to get along with wives. And all of these different um, passages are now culminating in First Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally. All of you be of one mind. All of one mind. Mind there is fron. It's also the word frain. But uh, anyway, so in Greek, uh, the cognitions, the faculties, the emotions. So the way to live godly in a godless society is to be together with like-minded people where we draw strength. And that's why we come to a place like this. Amen? And we have a meeting of the minds that hopefully uh, minds and emotions match up. And that word fron or frain or freo means to rein in or to curb. To curb. That means to fence in or to enclose. Uh, 
So when we come together in a community of faith, uh, the purpose is to keep us all in line and in the same mind. Can you say amen? That's one of the purposes of the church. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So this is the whole idea. We're kept in line as we come together in a community of faith, and what keeps us in line is not just each other, but each other as we're reflecting the Word of God. So what's really keeping us in line is a body of truth, a body of beliefs. Can you say amen? That's the picture. Now, in Peter, there are two mindsets that are contrast, contrasted. There are truth-following believers that we're talking about right here to be of the same mind, um, and then there are also, in 1 Peter chapter 4, look at that just for a minute, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, For he who has suffered in the flesh, flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in, in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. So there are those who are like-minded in the truth, and there are those that are truth-abandoning unbelievers that come together and they are of one mind. Two mindsets in contrast with one another in the book of Peter. Let's continue on. Within that community, what are we to do? Have compassion for one another. So in that body of believers, we're to have compassion one for another. That word, sympathes, means they have a, a feeling of fellowship. But the interesting thing about this word is the root of the word. Sum posco. Sum means together. Pathes, or posco, means to experience pain jointly. So in other words, we come together so that we can share pain together. Because if we're living godly lives in Christ Jesus, all of us will suffer persecution. And the whole idea in Peter is we come together in a community of one mind because our mind is unlike that in the world. And when we come together, we can sense and share one another's pain and one another's burdens as we live godly lives in this world. So this idea of compassion means to come together, to suffer with one another. Having gone through persecution and suffering for the truth, really that's the point in Peter. This is not just some mamby-pamby, you know, be compassionate to each other. No, it's really entering into the pain and suffering. We've been grieved by various trials, it says in chapter 1 and verse 6. 
We've had the crazy ordinance of men. We've had harsh masters. We're enduring grief. We're suffering wrongfully, 2.19. And uh, we're doing good and suffering. And perhaps we have husbands that we live with that drive us crazy. I expected a lot of amens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Or maybe we have wives that also cause challenges. But the point is... <laughs> You're not going to have a very good Christmas, are you? <laughs> so, but the point is we come together in compassion or sympathy with one another. And we rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. And this is the purpose of the church. It's coming within a community of faith, of faithfulness to God's word. And as we're faithful we will experience some tension, one with another, and within the world as well. Again, as opposed to having a feeling of fellowship with those who are suffering because of their faults, this is not talking about fellowshipping with those who are suffering, or, 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 or having sympathy with those who are, you know, um, getting beaten for their, their faults. For what credit, credit is it? If when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. This is coming together in sympathy for those who actually are doing good and suffering for the good, if that makes sense. Let's go on. Love as brothers, it continues on. Philadelphus, to be brothers, Delphos. That means to come from the same womb. In other words, they have a brotherly love for one another. They're sympathizing with one another because they're in the truth with one another and they're suffering for that truth. Tender-hearted. Again, a very interesting word. Ooh, good, spelunkthos, pity or sympathy. So good sympathizing with one another. Tender-hearted because you understand the suffering they're going through. And courteous. There it is again, philophrain or philophron. It means to be a dear friend or brother and having the same mind, friendly of mind. So how many of you are getting the picture here in Peter? That really you come together in community and what causes community is faithfulness to the truth in the context of suffering. That's what it's talking about here in Peter. And as you come together, you begin to identify with each other because of the actual great controversy that you're living within, either at home or in the community or in the world. And this is the picture that Peter is painting for us. Love as brothers. Then it says, love then as brothers coming from the same womb. And I like this slide so much that I put it in twice. So number one, live like like-minded, a like-minded community of believers. Number two, deal cor correctly with evildoers and those who revile. So our next text, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling is the next concept. What does this mean? This means surprisingly we may have to deal with evil and reviling even in the church among brothers and sisters. What exactly does this mean? 
evil for evil or reviling for reviling. This word reviling means slander. This means um, talking about someone else in a malicious way. Romans chapter 1, verse 29, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips and slanderers. The difference between gossip and slander, gossip may be something that's true that you should not be sharing. Slander is something that is false that you are sharing with the intent to hurt somebody. And Romans says this is akin to what? Murder. Murder. So how do you deal with this? You don't just smash it over or you know, pass it by and say, okay, they did that. I'll well, just let that go. No, no, no. <laughs> These are murderers, and they can cause problems in your church. You know, as we, what's 1 John 1, 7 say? As we walk in the light, as he is in the light. In other words, the light of God's word. Thy word is a, a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. As we're within the word, we have fellowship one with another. That's the community. We come together in community. And then it says, and the blood of Christ cleanses us from every sin. In other words, when we come together in fellowship, we come together in community, there are going to be mistakes made. Now, is this a, a surprise to you? And there will be mistakes made in marriages. There will be mistakes made in church families. There will be mistakes made. And sometimes they'll be fairly evil. And as we walk in the light, then what's supposed to happen? In that fellowship, the blood is to be applied. But to act like nothing happened and that the blood does not be, need to be applied is to act like somebody who's bleeding to death does not need a transfusion. How many of you are with me? Would that be loving? Would that be kind? No, that would be allowing them to hurt others and maybe hurt you and hurt themselves. 2 Corinthians 12, 20. There may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, and deceit. Besides 1 Timothy 5, 13, they that learn to be idlers, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies. If you don't deal with slander and gossip, it has a tendency to get worse. And people will keep themselves busy doing that if they're not doing evangelism. Normally, <laughs> I have found people in churches that have a lot to say about other people, but then I, I think, oh, who are the people they're bringing to church? Who are the people they're studying with? What are the things they're doing in the community? And usually, it's nothing. And so they use their abilities to create liabilities. With his mouth, the godless destroys his neighbor. What should be done about this? I struggled with this. I said, like, you know, the easy, schmeasy way to look at this text is to say, you know, just everybody get along. Don't worry, be happy. Um, but, you know, when you're in a trauma situation, you don't just sit there and say, well, it's really good to see you. No, you, you, you sometimes have to get down into it and deal with what should be done. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be a benefit to those who listen. So don't let it happen. All right, you're gossiping, you're slandering. I'm not letting it happen. 
I'm not just going to get together with you and act like what you did was okay. I'm going to confront you about it because I care about you. Does that make sense? And if you don't care about someone, you don't confront it. Because you're so worried about, well, I don't know, something other than the community of believers. That's the point. Let not your ears listen to gossip from anyone. If all would refuse to hear evil of their neighbor, the talebearer would soon seek other employment. <laughs> the only reason there's gossip and slander is because people listen to it. And, that can, and it can grow, and it can build, and it can get sophisticated. I wrote to the church, 3 John 9 and 10, Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will not talk about it. I will just return kindness for his unkindness. Is that what it says? No. So I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, pratting or talking nonsense against us with malicious words. That's slander. Not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. So a person like this, or people like this that are evil, that are revilers, if you don't address it, they'll actually knock good people out of the church. How many of you are with me? And that's why you can't just say, you know, let's just get along. You have to deal with it. In fact, Servant of the Lord spoke about this in public rebuke, Review and Herald, 1892. He, the minister or teacher, will have many straight and plain words to address to those who need them. For when God commissions men to do his work, he lays upon the burden of watching for souls as they that must give an account. When needed warnings are to be given, sins are to be rebuked, errors and wrongs to be corrected, not only in the pulpit, but personal labor. What in the pulpit and personal, this is anathema today. I've heard people say, you never should ever say anything about people are doing wrong from the pulpit. Huh. And that's why our churches are growing so rapidly and everything's going well in Laodicea, right? This is a divine work and although it's not congenial to the natural inclination, the minister must proclaim the straight truth which will make the ears of them that hear tingle. For they must lay before those who are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God the dangers and perils that are around them and the doom that awaits the impenitent. Because this message is not agreeable to their inclination or unwelcome to those who must be warned, so they don't like to do it and the people don't like to hear it, they are solemnly charged to be faithful in its declaration. The ministers will meet wrongs that seem to defy correction. They will be made aware of sins that seem to be covered that need to be exposed on the right hand and the left. The prophet says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Show my people their transgression, the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook the ordinance of their God. It looks like they're doing well. They're having prayer ministries. They're having prayer meetings. They're, they're having all kinds of seminars. They're going to GYC, LMNOP, QRS, TUV. They're, they're doing everything. 
but they're not dealing with the issues. And because of that, it's all fake. Early on in Ellen White's ministry, you know, there were some young people, and she called out someone who was doing something they shouldn't do in public. And the young people said, you know what? Now we know this is a true church. We want to join the church because you're dealing with issues in the church. That doesn't help us to not deal with issues. If you want to have a good life, don't have a fake good life. Have a real good life. Amen? I charge thee before men, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, that is appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove. Reprove. That means to show people from the Bible maybe something they're doing wrong. Reprove it to them. Rebuke. Exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. This is what brings together people in that community of goodwill. This is what lays the foundation for a, a good life. And them that sin, rebuke before all that others may fear. Wait a minute, what about Matthew 18? Yeah, there's Matthew 18. That's for an offense that you have with someone else privately. But if people are doing something publicly, and that is impacting the entire church, the call is to rebuke them publicly. This is not for the faint-hearted. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another. Oh, wait a minute. The person has money. The person has influence. I better not say anything. No, no, no. It's even more important to say it someone like that because their money and influence is being misused. Put away from you crooked or deceitful speech and put devious, perverse talk far from you. And that's what slander is. It's crooked. It's not true. It's devious. A gossip betrays confidence, so avoid gossips or those who talk too much. The half-hearted and the worldly. The what? Half-hearted and worldly. Those who are given to gossip, who dwell on the faults of others, while neglecting their own, should be separated from the work. So this idea of, you know, and Peter coming together in community, you're coming together in community because of the truth. And the truth leads you to persecution. And so you come together in sympathy, but as you come together in sympathy, you are not to be sympathizing with those who are doing evil or slandering or gossiping. You just came out of the world not to come into the world of gossip and half-heartedness. Does that make sense? And this is why Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law doth he meditate day and night. He will be like a tree. And then comes all those good things. So it, it is actually dangerous to hang around someone who is a gossip or a slanderer, and it has not been addressed. It does them no good, and it does you no good. So how many want to have a good life? 
I've already mentioned 1 John 1, 7. 1 John 2, 19. You see, if you stand for the truth and for the right, usually what happens is people will leave your presence. They went out from us because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. You know, if you start looking at Jesus and pointing people to his word, it's going to get uncomfortable, not because of you, but because of Jesus and the word. And this has a way of drawing people together who should be together and putting people apart who should be apart. 1 John 3.10, and this, the children of God and the children of devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Context here is loving brother, loving our brother, and then we're talking about a passage of brotherly love. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. For he who would love life and see good days, this is how verse 10 summarizes everything I just covered. For he who would love life and see good days, that's our title of our sermon. You want to have a good life? You want to have a life you can love? Let him refrain his tongue from evil. So if someone's being evil, you don't return that evil with evil. And reframe his, le- his lips from speaking deceit. This is the slander. Don't return slander or gossip with slander and gossip. Rebuke, exhort, call upon, but don't go to that level of dishonesty. That's what it's saying. Number one, live in a like-minded community of believers. Number two, deal correctly with evildoers and those who... Revile. You know, I, I want to say one other thing about this. You know, I didn't get along well with my dad growing up um, <laughs> because, uh, well, there was a number of reasons. But one of the reasons was my dad, uh, he stood for something. And he wouldn't fall for, 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 for much, <laughs> especially for me. And I got mad. I got mad for 25 years of my dad. I was upset. And you know, when I thought about it, I, I could come up with things, the reason I'm mad. But I knew in my heart of hearts that my dad really loved me. Oh, he had some problems. He got hit by a train when he was seven. So he had a, a, you know, a, 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 a traumatic brain injury. And so he did have some problems from that. And you know what? I used to really hold him to that. But that's kind of like holding someone that, that can't walk to not being able to run a marathon. It's kind of stupid. And I didn't realize how stupid it was until I did. And uh, and one guy was talking to me one day. He goes, you know what? A person that talks about their family is like someone who lays on the ground and spits. And I didn't know. I said, what's he talking about? Now, I'm not going to say I laid down and tried it. (laughs) But maybe we should try that. So, you talk about your dad, your mom, and, and these others that really love you, even though they might have problems. That comes back to hit you. And one thing I'll say about my dad, 
who wasn't perfect, but he was trying to be. He didn't love like I liked, but he was trying to love. And in my heart of hearts, I knew that. And when someone loves you and is trying to do right, you at least have something to come back to. Hello? The prodigal son left. His father didn't follow him. He didn't follow him. Except with his prayers. And the son had to move from being a give-me type person to understand his father and come back and be a make-me-like person. Make me one of your servants. So we need to deal correctly with evildoers and those who revile. I think my dad did that with me in many ways. Could I fault him? Can you fault your parents? I mean, if you can find a problem with your parents. Okay, we need honesty here. How many of you can find a problem with your parents? And how many think they could find a problem with you? We're imperfect people dealing with other imperfect people. We're walking in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another in our families, and we need the blood of Jesus. But don't fool yourself that just because you can find a problem, the person you can find a problem in is not being used to help you. There's nobody here that's perfect. And it's illusionary to think you have to be perfect before you try and help. I had some members once. My wife remembers this. They, I was a young pastor. I was, I was, <laughs> I visited all day. I was, I mean, the church was, I was, I was like, I was a mitochondria of the church. I was all over the place. I was just like everywhere. And this lady said to me, you remember this lady, Amy? She came in once she goes, man, we hope you never have kids. I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, I don't want you to have kids. Why not? Because we like what you're doing for the church. And if you had kids, huh. Then she goes, she goes the second step. She goes, you know, Jesus is coming soon. Not a good time to have kids. <laughs> she was like the church birth control. <laughs> and it was kind of selfish, right? That was the reason she was saying that. I, I understood it. And then I thought, you know, maybe that's true. And we didn't have kids for like eight years. And then we had a kid. And it, it took all of our time. And then we realized since our time's all gone, we might as well have another kid. <laughs> we had another time, and it was one-on-one -on -one with the kids. And then we had another kid, and then one of them had to behave or we're in trouble. And we had four kids. You know, we would have had like six or eight kids if that woman had not talked to me. <laughs> but you know, the blessing coming out of this all is that having a family or being in community, you learn stuff about yourself you never would learn before. Amen. And having spiritual kids in a spiritual family can teach you some of the same lessons. 
We need to learn how to deal with one another. Number three, overcome evil with good. These are secrets for having a good life. Learn to overcome evil with good. Focus on ministry. Oh, one other text on this. You know, how do you overcome the evil with the good? Sometimes we'll make mistakes. The problem is not that people make mistakes in the church, or not even that they do evil, or not even that they slander. It's what they do when they're confronted with it. Does that make sense? Everybody here is going to make a mistake in the church. And there is a sin that leads to death, and there's a sin that doesn't lead to death, it says in 1 John. The sin that leads to death is the one that's not acknowledged, admitted, and asking for the blood to cover. The sin that leads to death is the one where he says, you know what, no, I'm going to tear the place down, I'm not going to admit what you said was right, and that's it. Number three, overcome evil with good. Focus on ministry. Let him turn away from evil and do good, and let him seek peace and pursue it. So when we uh, want to have a blessing in our life, um, we turn away from evil and we start doing good. Don't get consumed with the people that are always doing evil and the slanderers. Keep doing good. What did Nehemiah say? I'm doing a good work. I cannot come down. (laughs) I'm working. I am... Winning souls, I'm building the wall, I'm building the fish gate. That's evangelism. (laughs) The sheep gate, all those gates are all a picture of a total ministry. Turn away from evil and do good. So number one, live in like-minded community of believers. Number two, deal correctly with evildoers. Number three, overcome evil with good. Focus on ministry. And then number four, enjoy communion with God, basking in that connection and in his protection. And then Peter quotes, he actually quotes, I think it's Psalm 34. So turn with me there to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And let's read a psalm together. Psalm 34. Quote Psalm 34. And you'll see in the context how powerful this is. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Last week we talked about that. And all things give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning you. That's right. Every single thing give thanks. I thank God. I praise God. Find a way to praise God. My soul shall make boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and be glad. Magnify the Lord with me. Exalt his name together. This is all coming into community. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from my fears. They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The lions 
Young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. Come, you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. That's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Got to learn the fear of the Lord. Who is a man, and here's the quote, who is a man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Well, how do you do this? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. And seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. And the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them on the earth. So Peter quotes this psalm, and he is applying it now in this godless generation that he lived in. And he asked us to do the same. Now, I think one thing that kind of I want to touch on just as we're closing up here is the foundation of all this. How can you pull this off? How can this happen? The foundation of it all, of the good life, is in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 4. It's remembering that Christ has begotten us again to a living hope. Can you say Amen. This is not something the person that's not born again can pull off. It's only if Jesus is in our heart and in our lives. This is not something, well, look, I heard the sermon from Pastor Don. I'm going to go do that. You can't do that unless you're born again. Unless you're begotten again to a living hope, to an incorruptible and undefiled inheritance that does not fade away. And that's what you got to remember. There is an uncorruptible inheritance reserved in heaven for you. It's already been won. It's already been done. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah? And you're to enter into that by faith. This is the foundation for having a good life. We are kept by the power of God through faith. I was over in Scotland a couple of years ago. We're going back again this next spring. Dr. Z and me, and thee, hopefully. That's a rhyme. <laughs> Dr. Z and me, and hopefully thee. Um, and I was over there, and I was looking at these tombstones. And I was looking at all the tombstones that had Donald McIntosh on them. Same spelling as my name. All with green moss. Been there for hundreds of years. And I was like, I'm dead. I'm as good as dead. And I was looking at those tombstones, and I saw on one tombstone underneath this text, and only one word, it said, kept. 1 Peter 1.5, kept. And I was like, hmm, I wonder what that means. And I looked it up, and this is what it means. He's saying, look, even though I die, I'm kept. By the power of God through faith, I'm kept. How many like that word? Amen. Kept. <laughs> and if you have that sense in your life, if you realize there's an inheritance that you have, then it really doesn't matter about the slander or the gossip or the other things you're going through. How many of you are following me? And it also doesn't matter... <laughs> If you confront somebody, because you're kept. If you're not kept, you won't confront. 
because you're not bothered by what their reaction would be if you confront them because you're already kept. How many think we need some parents who are kept? You're not kept, you're not going to confront your kids. Now, I'm not saying do it in an unloving way. It's unloving to not confront. How many of you following me? But this all comes from being born again. That's the point. This perspective is what helps us greatly rejoice. Rejoice! Even if grieved by various trials. You want to have a good life? This is the secret, being born again. Today we're going to have a baptism right after the service over there in the chapel. Friday? Fair, they're going to be baptized. Freddie says, I, I want to have things right in my life before I die. I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. Freddie wants to say, look, I, I'm giving my life fully to God. And Farrah is saying, look, I want to recommit my life. What's going to happen right after the service? And that's what we all should be doing. I, I hear people saying, well, you know, I don't know enough about it. I don't know enough about baptism yet. You know, sometimes we think we have to know too much. Sometimes we think baptism is what, um, you know, we do something to prepare for, and, and there might be some element of that. I mean, Luke 3 says that. But I want to put this intention with you. Yes, you prepare for baptism, but bas baptism also prepares you. And there's that tension between the two. Because when we're baptized... We have the power of God that can come upon us because we've said, look, I'm, I want to be begotten again. I'm dead. I want to live through your power. Can you say amen? And don't try and make it overcomplicated. How many of you need the power? Well, I've got to see where the power comes from. I've got to know how it works. How many of you do that with electricity? Let me just try and figure it all out. You're going to get really hurt doing that. So this whole idea of being born again is a kind of a foundational principle to this whole idea of having the good life that we're talking about or that Peter's talking about. And notice how he closes it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Notice this. Aside from the gossip and the slander and the reviling and the evil, if you deal correctly with those things and you're not involved in those things, what do you have? The eyes of the Lord are on you. He's open to your prayers. How many want to have that sweet prayer life with Jesus? But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he will harm you if you become followers of what is good? What a promise. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you're blessed! <laughs> You are blessed. Why? Because you're in God's will. Don't be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. Soon enough, people will come around and ask you, how are you going through all that? What's your side of the story? <laughs> well, i got to sanctify the Lord always. And you can just tell the truth. Can you say hallelujah? That's the picture.
have a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. There it is again. Your good ton- conduct, your good ton- conduct with the officials, the government, your good conduct with harsh masters, your good conduct with bad husbands, your good conduct with bad wives, your good conduct now generally in the world. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And those are the four secrets, according to Peter, to living a good, godly life in a godless This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.